This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 338, Comic Talk Spotlight on Secret Wars. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 338. It's our Comic Talk Spotlight on the Secret Wars event that just wrapped from Marvel Comics. I'm joined today by two returning co-hosts, Paul Scores and AJ Reese. Welcome, guys. Thank you, Adam. Hey, Adam. Good to be here, bud. Yeah, not all everyone at once. <laughs> Rhyme in. <laughs> so Secret Wars is finally over. After all the delays, we finally had the last issue, the ninth extra issue that we weren't originally supposed to get. It was supposed to be an eight-issue event, and instead we now have nine issues. All New Marvel Now is, or All New All Different Marvel Now has already come and kind of gone, and now we finally get the event that kind of started it. Thoughts? <laughs> I'm going to throw it out there that's very a, wide. That's a very open question. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can't complain that they took their time to get it done right. Um... I, th- I read an interview with, I think it was Brevoort after the event was done, and um, that's what, that was their ultimate goal. They hated the fact they had to do it, but at least you got a clean-looking, proper ending rather than some mishmash, rushed mess that was, I think, remember the last issue of uh, Infinite Crisis from DC was a disaster because mm-hmm. it was just, they had to pump it out there. It was, it was disgusting. For an event this large and how well it was received, they wanted to end it on a proper note, and I give them credit for that. It's interesting... I- uh, sorry, AJ. I'm just, oh, you're good. Go ahead. Quick thought. Um, it's interesting. I was listening to another podcast, and this guy made a comment that um, the the comparison is that if they were making a movie, and it, you know, would you rather them just hire extras to kind of fill in the blanks for the last you know 20 minutes worth of reshoots, mm-hmm. or push back the movie? You'd rather them push back the movie and do it right. And that's basically the comic book equivalent that we got here, where they pushed it back, they took their time, they made sure they got Hickman and Asad Ribic to do their work and able to end it on their own terms as opposed to having fill an artist or have anything that would, you know, hamper the quality of the overall book. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was completely the right call and paid off in spades when you see the end. And the other thing is, looking at the last couple of issues, I don't know what they would have cut out. Like, if they had tried to do this in eight issues and squeeze it all together, what would we have lost? And yeah, I think they completely made the right idea to stretch it out a little bit more, take their time, and not, you know, feel the need to stress the ending and crush everything together. You know, it's interesting you say that, because I, I actually think there is a, a bunch of stuff that you could have uh, knocked out, like uh, Maximus kind of leading the revolts. I, it, it's interesting. I almost felt like it needed no more time to breathe to really feel like it earned its place. Instead, it kind of felt like a tacked-on element that was then quickly forgotten. So I feel like we could have actually had extra issues of this, and then I feel like it would have maybe told more of a complete story, and some of those threads wouldn't have felt as... Um, you know, not fully realized as they were. Otherwise, I think they almost could have been cut just for that. Well, I'll say this. You talk about the Maximus storyline, and I will just, since we, we've kind of agreed not to go issue by issue here, and we're just going to talk over yeah, the, yeah. of the whole thing, uh, I'm just going to jump in on certain little points here, and we'll talk about plot points and see what you guys think. Um, the Maximus thing, leading the revolt, I, you know, I see where it played in as kind of a, a side plot, a distraction and all that. There, there are other things in here that I don't know if maybe they were told in side stories, but and maybe I just missed this, but rereading it earlier today, what was the entire thing with Mr. Sinister and uh, Carol Danvers? Yeah, that was, that was bizarre. I didn't like that that idea at all. It didn't need I don't to know be where there. it got dropped in. Yeah, and I don't know exactly what was going on or why she had the little gem on her head, or I, was she a clone? Did she agree to help him? I, I don't really know what was going on there. What well, isn't isn't she like the six one six Carol that survived in the life raft? That's what I thought too. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Okay. So then it's even more confusing. 
Well, yeah, why she would ever help him or align with him. To be fair, there's a lot of little things like that. Like, I mean, the overall kind of macro story works, but it's when you start looking at some of the smaller details that some of the things do fall apart. I mean, the, one of the biggest ones for me is uh, the Cyclops Phoenix. That's <clears throat> con- That doesn't... It just kind of happens... Where did they get the Phoenix egg? How did this happen when? They're never going to address it well, ever. Well, okay. There, there's, there's missed opportunities here in a couple of points. Um, you, you have... They didn't do a very good job with a lot of the books leading up to it, right? Obviously, the, the two Avenger books, that was part of it. Time runs out, absolutely. Hickman had a little... A few blips in there as related to the Ultimate Universe, as related to what the X-Men were kind of doing. Um, but Bendis and his books made no effort to kind of to showcase that, which is a bit of a shame. And I, I would imagine, I didn't read any of them, but what Ultimate books were still running at, by the time Secret Wars started? Was it just, uh, just Ultimate, Spider-Man. Spider-Man, and X-Men? No, X-Men was not even running. It was just Ultimate, Spider-Man. That was the only book that still survived. Yeah, they canceled the others, the Ultimates, and a few other things beforehand. Yeah. Well, okay, well, okay. And, and none of them... When those ended, did they have any lead into the incursion stuff, or no? The world just went white, or like they—they they, they, you just saw that the incursion was about to happen. That's about it. No, I know that for the end of Spider-Man, but I mean the other two books. Did oh they no, end those? Not, they nothing? ended a while back. Okay, okay. So there was I wasn't sure. there okay. was no lead in whatsoever. So yeah, so that see that's what Ultimate End should have been more about, but um, <laughs> Ultimate End should have been about something as opposed to yeah. what we got, <laughs> right? Or even when. Uh, when Stephanie Strange disperses the Life Raft heroes, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the first tie-ins I read shortly after that happened was Star-Lord Kitty Pride, mm-hmm. and where you had Star-Lord that was a 616 one that was oh, what's, what's going on in this funky world? So I thought that was an opportunity they missed to have those characters roll into some of the tie-ins. They didn't have to be a mandatory read, but at least you could see where they all ended up and how they all come back together at the end. Well, there's a lot of problems with that because, I mean, Miles was sent to Ultimate End and then somehow then left Ultimate End to come back for the big climactic, I guess, showdown, I guess. Like, was he even there at the end? Because him and Peter did their thing. Like, there's a lot of things that in sequence that don't quite work. But, again, on a whole story, it still works. But no, it's for only, sure it does. Yeah, when yeah. you start looking at some of the finer story beats, there are some inconsistencies like yeah. that. For I, sure. I don't, I don't want to nitpick this thing because you can't pick anything these days. We kind of society that we want to overanalyze all this stuff and beat the crap out of it. Like, if I wanted to like, go back to the Star Wars example, right? My stepson hated it because he felt like he's seen all this before, right? And if I wanted to take that angle, I can completely understand it. Yeah, and I could rip the movie apart for being a total rehash of episode four. And so, yeah, maybe it wasn't so good after all. But, no, I'd rather take the stance where, no, it was a fabulous movie. It was an amazing spectacle, and I enjoyed the crap out of it. So, Are you saying that you're trying to become less finicky in your old age? I, th- I think we should. I think we're so over-analytical, and we look at every little thing, and we have over-analyzed. We can nitpick all these. Like, all these creators are, are working their butts off to produce amazing entertainment for us. And all we sit there and do is find the most vague, stupid thing to... So are you saying we should stop podcasting right now? No, not at all. Not at all. It's not what I'm saying, but I think we got to be careful on what we want to... What, what beats we want to be critical of, that's all. Okay. I, I, I completely agree with that. And there again, you look at what we're talking about. We're talking about one little side plot element as the thing I didn't like that much. <laughs> right. The whole story is amazing. And yeah. when you take it as a whole of, you can look on a shelf and see Hickman's Fantastic Four run, book ended with Hickman's Avengers and uh, New Avengers run, and then you put Secret Wars at the end of it and you just sit back and go, holy, holy crap. Yeah. And I guess really you can throw a little bit of shield in there too since uh, you know, they show up as part of the group, the uh, advisory group there. So... Can I say one thing that I just didn't understand the significance or did bug me about the last issue? I mean, again, I'm, 
it totally opposite to what Paul just said about let's be positive, let's not be <laughs> nitpicking. Go ahead, go ahead. And I'm going to cave into my baser instincts here. Sure. Um, what was up with the the gem that Black Panther uses, and then he sho- shows up back in Wakanda? What, what was what was that supposed to be about? Like, it just felt like a weird. Like, what was that saying? What was that sto- like supposed to be? Because it felt like he was going back in time, but he wasn't. He was just going back to Wakanda. When, like, this, this is the first issue of New. Avengers. Is that all it is? Because yeah. then, but how is he sending off this rocket at that time? Because of the incursion happening, they had done this. So you're saying the incursions didn't happen? Correct. But, well, and that's what it, that's why it shows his hand, and you see his hand in the gym. The incursion alert thing like fades away from his hand. It's saying that didn't occur. Okay, so then that makes no sense then, because then a, a lot of the stories we've gotten in the all new Marvel have directly referenced the fact that last days happened, that the end of the world was happening, and then it was okay. Like, there's been multiple books that where they said everything was about to go white, and then everything was okay. They haven't really said much about after that, but the, the idea has been that the incursions still happened. People remember the incursion. So that's why I was kind of confused by that. It's like, okay, well, if the incursions still happen, then what about this? You know, how does this really make sense? Are we, and, uh, so you're saying it's rewriting reality and a lot of stuff never happened? Because, again, we have stuff like Parker Industries, like all the stuff that happened after the, you know, the incursions started happening. The, the way I look at it, which could be completely wrong, but so you've got Black Panther coming back to Wakanda. He looks at his hand and then the gem, you know, the whatever it was that they put in their hands, you know, dissolves away. And he says it worked. And so... And then we know at the end we've got Reed kind of rebuilding everything. Um, so perhaps with the way they restructured it, they incorporated the fact that the incursions did happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to rebuild the universe, you can do whatever you want anyway. You, you get into a little bit of a sticky situation, comic booky well, AJ, bullshit. If you, if you look back at the, the book we have in front of us here now, he actually plucks the gem out of the gauntlet. It's actually the Fanny gem that dissolved. It's not the incursion warning. Yeah. It's Where a, are we looking? Maybe I'm looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, I'm looking at... Issue 9 at the end. When it looks like Black Panther takes, I oh, guess... Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you're saying. I, at first I thought you were right. Maybe it was there, a little warning thing dissolving. But no, you see the gem he physically takes. I think he, he uses up each gem when he's distracting Doom in the big battle he's doing, right? And that was well, the last gem that well, was left. Which one is the orange one? Because that's what he pulled out. The yellow one still appears to be in the gauntlet. So the, is the orange one time? I'm colorblind, so I'm, I'm going to have to walk away from this conversation because I don't it, even it know. It is yellow. It is yellow? It's yellow gem. Uh, I don't even remember now. Well, now I'm going to look them both up while you guys discuss yeah. it. And I'll, we'll find out what's what. So, well, so like, are uh, well, we sure that, that this is time being changed? Well, that, that again, I, I think it's more of a story be just showing it all come back full circle. Okay. Right? I think that's I agree. Improve, I uh, mean, they show that and he's launching like the Alpha Flight, and Correct. this is like their new thing. Yes. Which leads Canada into, and Wakanda together up in space. There you yeah, go. Absolutely. So it, it's leading into again only Marvel now and that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, what did you think about Molecule Man owing Maz Morales something because he gave him that hamburger <laughs> or that cheeseburger or whatever it was that was in his mm-hmm. pocket? Mm-hmm. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's nice that they at least played off of that absurdly weird mm-hmm. thing. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not see that coming in a Hickman book. If it was anybody, like Bendis or something, cheeseburger in the pocket, I get it. But Hickman, that really surprised me when it happened, but I like he kind of touched on it at the end again, so... Yeah, I'm actually glad that it actually, it did mean something. Because yes. I remember reading it when it first happened, I'm like, who's writing this? Yeah. 
You know, like it was just felt like such an awkward moment because it doesn't feel like Hickman's style whatsoever. Um, and his side cannot draw Spider-Man really well. He looks brutal. Yeah, the art on Spider-Man was a little rough. Yeah. The the gems Black Panther has, if it's if it's yellow, it's reality. If it's orange, it's time. So he it was either grasping to reshape reality mm-hmm. or going back in time. But I wouldn't think time would be an effect. That's reality oh, then. It's yellow. It's got to be reality. Yeah. 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 Since time was broken anyway, it's not like he could have gone back and forth, so it had to be reality. Yeah, it's just it, it just felt like a weird placement because of it takes place kind of like I guess after we're seeing the reshaping. Like I guess in in the actual sequence, it's it's just difficult to understand how it's supposed to work. Right. Like at what point Reed is actually reshaping everything, and is he resha- have te- he's technically reshaped it before. <laughs> Black Panther goes out again. I think this is one of my only real complaints. So it's not much of a complaint because again, it's almost inconsequential to the actual story being told. Like sure. it's it's kind of an addendum that doesn't really need to be there, but it's a thematic one because it ties together with the beginning of New Avengers. Exactly. Yeah. Just like how you know the, the the last kind of monologue by Reed ties together with how he started New Avengers with everything dies, well now everything, everything lives. lives. Yeah. Which is a nice way to kind of end everything. Although, why didn't he fix Ben? He can fix Doom. He can't fix Ben. <laughs> like, Ben Grimm's still the thing. Isn't he past that by now, though? Like, No, he always uh, wants to be done. Ben Grimm. He's always complaining about it. Okay. You say that, but do we see Ben or... I mean, I know, obviously, he's in... Uh, what is it, Guardians of the Galaxy now, and he's still the thing, but we yeah. don't see Ben or Johnny here at the end, do we? No. No, they just mention them, that they're on the other side. And again, we don't really know... If they know that Reed is still out there creating universes or not. They probably don't. But why not? Like, why wouldn't they give some sort of good memory to their family that they're in a better place? Like, those are the types of things where I don't want, like, a Lord of the Rings 18 epilogues. But in some ways, I think this kind of needed it. Well, now that this is out, they can touch on it legitimately in all you Marvel now, right? So there'll be a moment where they can do that now. They don't want to spoil this. So. Mm. And actually, it's nice that when we we knew that Doom was obviously around in Iron Man, but we didn't really have a reason for him to act like that. So this was kind of... I didn't feel like it really ruined a lot for me after all. Don't I, touch on that. How is Doom acting in Iron Man? I saw the covers and know he's in there, but what what's different about him? He's a little bit more heroic, kind of. Like, he almost reminds mm. me of um, the version of Loki we have right now. Like, he's kind of... He's kind of smarmy, kind of heroic, but still kind of a dick. <laughs> like he's wearing a suit, like he's not wearing a, a costume, like he's all like professional looking. And yeah, it's it's different. It's it's something. I mean, I'm I'm enjoying Iron Man for the most part. So I mean, well, see, when I first saw <clears throat> I, uh, Doctor Doom and Iron Man, I thought, no, this is not Doom. There's no way they're gonna plant him like this. And I don't know, it, it, seeing him get healed here, like Bendis kind of ruined it. I th- I, I would have thought Bendis couldn't use that character until uh, this had been fleshed out so it kind of lost its luster a bit although it was always kind of set to be there and then Secret Wars got delayed and they just decided no Invincible Iron Man has to be the first book out the gate yeah I know this is the flagship that was probably one of the, the few things I got compromised yeah of I gotta say though the shot of I guess Doom laughing a little weird I don't know if I like Doom laughing I would have I'm okay with him being stoic but I don't know about him laughing He's happy for once in his life. I don't want don't Doom to be happy, though. <laughs> that sounds terrible, but, like, Doom happy doesn't doesn't even seem like a thing that is possible. He can be content, but happy? I don't know about that. Like, the first shot of him, I think, is absolutely gorgeous. Yes. Like, because that's, like, 
Because there's there's so much in the eyes. If you look at Victor Von Doom's eyes, they're re- it's a really solid shot. But unfortunately, the next two panels don't nearly look as detailed. Um, so they kind of lose it a little. Because that I I would have been okay if the last page was just that one shot that of face, yeah. that just that face because that's Ribic at his best. Well, like, to me, I even I like the first two panels. So you got a little bit of the smirk in the second one. Like you could have been a little more content. But I agree that the the boisterous laughing in the third is a little over the top for him. Yeah. Unless unless they given it an, uh, the dialogue box to actually say Richards. <laughs> but, with, but with like a laugh instead of like a curses, which is what he usually does, like then I would have so, bought it. So, but him right here, does he know what happened? Does he I, realize? I, I I don't know. I, I gotta believe people people must remember, like, or do they not remember what happened on like, Battle do, World? Do, do the life raft people who survived and went through it? Do they know? Do they well, so far we've seen certain people seem to remember what happened during Battle World in different places. So, I would assume Doom knows only because they they enjoyed playing up the whole thing of him and Thanos and attaining godhood before and like they don't seem to forget that they've done those things. So yeah, I would think at least Doom's supposed to carry through the knowledge so, as a character. And everyone who died during Secret Wars, I guess, is alive. But like, it's those types of things that make me wonder. You know, where does Reed as God draw the line? Because well, let me. Let me like ask that, though, because you said everyone is alive, but is Cyclops back? Because I know it's like the ghosts of Cyclops and all that, and I didn't think he was back in the universe. I thought he was still dead. Well, that's a tough one, because, I mean, when we got on Kenny X-Men 600, we saw that at the very end, it looks like Cyclops is going to lead a kind of a peaceful revolution, um, and, and everything looks like it's going to be fine. Then, which I guess, and theoretically, the timeline is before Last Days even happens, because then when we have Secret Wars, something has occurred where he now has the Phoenix Egg, and he's in a... A ton of Sentinels. Yeah, yeah. and he's in a different place, but, but no one seems to hate the X-Men yet, and no one seems to hate Cyclops yet. Then he dies mm-hmm. on Battleworld, and then at some point in the eight months later, he does something so heinous that everyone hates Cyclops, and he's supposedly dead again. So he hasn't done anything heinous in Secret Wars, therefore we are led to assume that he should still be alive and has now done something terrible in the eight months. They have alluded to something somebody with him and the Terrigan Mists. Yeah, so this, this is the... I mean, this isn't Hickman's fault. This is more publishing. This is more yeah. oh, sure. editorial's yeah. fault. I mean, I think writing-wise, Hickman told one hell of a story. Um, it was a surprisingly intimate story when all was said and done because it was all about Reed. Yeah. It was a Reed and Doom story all along. Yeah, it was. Fantastic Four all the way, for sure. You can, yeah, bringing back the first issue again, you can see it forming, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you go back, I mean, I don't think you've read his Fantastic Four. I have not, no. But his Fantastic Four run is glorious. And, it's excellent, yeah. And so much of that run is, again, about him and Doom in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that they continued that forward, even though we didn't always know it was, it was happening, uh, until Secret Wars actually hit, I mean, it's tremendous macro storytelling in the bright way. Yeah. Um, where, you know, there's all these connections you don't even notice are happening, but they're all there. Yeah. I, I so, think- go ahead, Paul. I just going back to Cyclops for a second. I think he, he was just a quick plot device showing here's a character. He has the Phoenix Force. He's going to do something, but no, Doom is all god, all powerful. That you're like you know you don't stand a chance against his omnipotence. I think it was just a way to prove how powerful Doom actually was by. Well, we kind of ended up getting that a few a few issues later when he kills Thanos anyway. Which again is Thanos back alive? I have no idea. No like, clue. Like. 
it's those types of things that will irk me just because no one's addressed it, and I hope that someone does. And I'm wondering too, was there really a need to do to do the eight months jump? Like it feels very just because they wanted to do a publishing jump so that they can put themselves in a different space and not have to deal with you know the next day after last days, as opposed to it being an actual organic shift forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which is fine. They're they're publishers. They're trying to push product. They got to do what they got to do. It just it feels like they kind of pitched it as uh, a reason for us to have this, you know, we're jumping forward, something's happened. Has something happened, or is it just very convenient? So, a bit of both. Right? A little bit of both, yeah. I guess. What do you guys think about the actual ending itself with the Doom and Reed fight and the fact that essentially all of it hinges on the Molecule Man just standing there and <laughs> the kind of foil is Reed gets him doomed to admit that he probably could have done better. And that's all it was. That's what it all came down to was one decision, basically. Is, um, that, is that a worthwhile payoff? It's a personal level. It's not a big bang. It's more of a small... I think that's going to be debated about for a long time. Um, because, you know, and I, I think it comes down to the the event was pitched as, you know, the biggest event that Marvel's ever happened or yeah. ever had. And I think Hickman was thinking, this is the biggest Reed story I'll ever tell. I agree. And, and yeah. I think be the because those things are not quite the same thing... I think those who came into it because it was the big event, because it was the big Secret Wars thing, will be more likely to be disappointed. But for those who love the story that he was telling with Reed and love the undertones and go back and kind of see it all happening, I think it's a tremendous payoff. So I, would I completely agree with that. So yeah, I think, I think if you have followed all of Hickman's story, that the personal level is what makes it so great. But it wasn't some... There was a grandiose battle going on outside, but it really just comes down to... Again, like you said, Reed and Doom having a conversation, and even though they're fighting while having it, it's still the same old Reed, same old Victor. Yeah. To go back to the Reed element, too, I mean, one of the first things that he did when he wrote Dark Reign of Fantastic Four was the idea that Reed wants to solve everything. Yeah. Like, that was the basically the first story, and then when he took over the main FF book, when he met the Council of Reeds and all these other Reeds and other realities, it was all about how do we fix everything. And now, how does this leave off? He's the you know the creator of the multiverse, this new multiverse. He's fixed everything. Well, and even that last time he sees Sue before they go down to talk to the Molecule Man, she says, you know, who are you? And he says, I'm the one who fixes things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's been a continual theme all throughout. So, I mean, it's part of that, you know, there's not many writers out there who can kind of create such a multi-level story many, over many years in many different books and actually be able to kind of pull it all together and have it work. And if you wanted to say, like, if you want to read the best Reed Richards story you're ever going to read, here's, you know, five years worth of, or six or seven years worth of comics, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And a good Doom story, too, which are hard to do. Yeah, oh, really, really good Doom story. I, I liked Hickman's, uh, I guess, push for Black Panther mm-hmm. and kind of the bromance slash hatred that he and Namor have developed over New Avengers yeah. and then into Secret Wars. It's it's I'd, I'd really enjoy the pairing, and I know now Namor's dead and whatnot else, and Black Panther's off doing his thing, and I'm sure he'll get a movie push and they'll go their separate ways. Mm. But to see Black Panther put on a gauntlet, stand up to Doom, and as Black Panther normally sometimes finds himself, he's like, I probably can't win this battle, but that's not the point. He just goes in full bore. Yep. Um, that I is... like that he was the one in that position. Absolutely, I did like that. The, the the big. Before you know it's going to be a read, like you always know it's going to be read Doom, but before you, for a minute you're not sure, right? Like yeah. for a minute you're like, oh, is this actually just going to be like the the bearer of an Infinity Gauntlet against you know the the creator or this new Doom? That's really cool. 
The only thing that kind of took away from it in the ninth issue was just because it wasn't always clear what was happening was the the kind of trippy um, battle sequences between Panther and Doom, which became very kind of artsy, but not always clear exactly what was happening. As they were fighting across different planes of existence and realities and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and even in, I guess, I don't know what you want to call it, but wherever the Molecule Man was, when uh, the Maker kind of devolves Reed into, like, the monkey, and then yeah. the, the Molecule Man just slices him into, like... Sliced okay. up maker. It was really messed up. <laughs> but now the maker is back in the main reality. So I'm I'm wondering like how does that work? Like, I guess Reed made him again. I don't know. But in the prime reality, like not even in his own reality, and he's kind of messing up things for the new Avengers now. Like, well, I, unless the maker maker had a fail safe for himself, maybe <coughs> it's possible. I mean, me. there's so much that could be. We we have no idea really. Um. Now, the, the sad part is that, you know, Hickman's not doing anything else. He's done. Yeah. He's taking a break, yeah. That's, a, that's like, really sad well, to not it's a him. It's a mic drop kind of It end, is, right? Yeah. And on a high. <clears throat> it is kind of, like, if you're going to go out, this is how you go out, right? Like, yeah. you tell the big event, you wrap it up, and you're like, I'm done. Um, what else do we want to say about this? I mean, that hasn't already been said. AJ? I'm, I'm looking through, I'm thinking. Uh, I I like the touch in, I guess, 8, where we finally see Ben Grimm come up and he fights uh, Franklin. And then he finds out, he kind of remembers who Franklin is and sees how the world's been reshaped and can't. He still he still is Ben Grimm. He still can't hurt Franklin. And so he just takes a shot to that. He would rather not be than hurt Susan's kid. So sure. I thought it was a very nice Ben Grimm touch for, obviously, Hickman knows how to write Ben, but... To see that that carried through too, I thought that was a really neat character, you know, interaction moment there. Well, and I, again, kind of a, a callback to uh, Hickman's run on a, on Fantastic Four, seeing Franklin wielding a Galactus is yes. not something we haven't seen before, because but uh, is still pretty awesome to see. Certainly, a different iteration with, I guess, what amounts to a giant mechanical suit Galactus for mm-hmm. Franklin to tool yeah. around. But now, I guess in, in eight, is the Black Swan dead? I guess. I believe so, yeah. Because we see Groot kind of take hold and blow everything up. and Well, like, I didn't know if Quill survived that either, though, because it really just destroys the whole castle. I don't know how even they were both at ground zero, so I don't know how either one of them would have escaped that. Well, I mean, again, when when when, when Reed is now God, I mean, I guess everyone can survive. Like, that's Pretty much. kind of the point, right? Like, at some point we'll have Thanos back. It probably won't be explained, but it's just the way it is. I mean... Reed is is on a different plane now, so we don't even know why he's necessarily making the changes that he's making. Yeah, because I mean, you can say the same thing for Groot. Technically, he's you know part of the the what's the tree thing called? The Yagersil. Uh, Yagersil, or yeah, 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 that. So he's half that, and but that's really it. We just see him grow up. Mm. you know, enlarge, and Franklin looks at him, and that's the end of that. That's the end of them yeah. interacting. So, who knows what happens off-scene there. Now that I think about it, um, the fact that in Squadron Supreme, the new book, you have the um, Dr. Spectrum from the I've, the Almighty Society, or whatever that group was, that Namor's, uh, Namor destroyed um, back during New Avengers, the fact that she's around and remembers that Namor destroyed her world again, proves the incursions did happen. Sure, sure. So, oh man, continuity's even more or, messed or up. Or she has a memory of it. 
Well, how would she have the memory of it without it happening? Like, like why would Reed give her the memory if, if he has that much control or finite control over people? Well, do we know how yeah. much control he actually has, though? It's, we don't. It's, it's a very open concept. He is now the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. I don't know what he wants. <laughs> Basically. Which I'm sure, I'm sure to some extent that's the design. Like, oh, Reed just made things kind of... It gives you a, a construct to work within, but not exact details that any one author has to mm-hmm. uh, subscribe to. So right. It's interesting, too. Like, you have the um, Feature Foundation is... Well, for all intents and purposes, it's kind of interesting with them kind of being outside of reality as we know it now. It's kind of like um, the ending of Crisis and Infinite Earths back in the 80s where you had four characters that were living on the other side and could kind of see what was happening. Very different way of being there, but similar in, 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 in concept in some ways. So you have the Future Foundation on the other side. Is the Power Pack going to wonder that you know they've lost one of their members? And is the wizard going to lose his shit that Bentley 23 is <laughs> on the other side? Like, you know, and that's why I wonder, like, what do they know of what happened to these characters? Like, you know, obviously the idea that people think that Reed is dead. What about everyone else in the Future Foundation? Are they all thought to have perished in the last days as well? That's an open question. Anyone want to answer that? Or nope, yeah, no one wants to answer that. Okay, it's a loaded question. It's open to interpretation. They're, they're eventually going to have to circle back, or they'll want to circle back on the Fantastic Four or what they're doing. Something yeah. one day might come and threaten where Reed is. I know he's displaced in time and space, so I doubt those, I don't know age or whatever, um, unless Sue and Reed make a thousand more babies. I don't know, they can't really procreate the word family dynamic there, but they're all kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, Got Dragon Man there to help deliver it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So, you know, and, you know, why, so you remade the 616, which doesn't exist anymore, it's called the it's Prime. the Prime Earth now. Earth, right. But I think, it's like us having the Sky Dome in Toronto. It's the Rogers Center, right? But everyone calls it the Sky Dome. So I think 6.6 will still be referred to until the end of time, probably. I don't know, fandom. man. They really don't want they're it to be that to, way I know, anymore. I know they're pushing it. But I think a lot of people will still think of it that way because it's hard to break that habit. Yeah. But why not remake 1610? Yeah. I know you wanted to kill the line, finally. It was it, dead well, ages ago. Maybe there but, is a new Ultimate Universe and we just haven't seen it yet. Right? But, but like, then why, why bring Miles over? Why bring... Um... That's a good question, right? Well, because when everything was happening and when... We don't know exactly at what point um, uh, the Molecule Man... I almost want to call him the trickster god, but... Because he is kind of like that, right? He's kind of like a coyote. He's crazy. He'll, you know, he'll give you the power of a god if you give him food. Like, you know, he's kind of out of, out of his mind more so than normal. But I don't know. Like, maybe he, the Ultimate Universe as it was is going to be like a new thing, whereas Miles is, exists outside of that. Like... Instead of making Reed remake that entire universe, instead he just has to kind of remake his own core universe, and they just slot Miles in. Like who knows? Like we we don't know what what Miles even looks like. Does he remember his old universe? I mean, his mom was alive. Like that's a big change because she was dead. So like, does he remember anything? Uh, his friends seem to have made the the jump too. Yeah. Like there's a lot of questions, and unfortunately, we're not going to know until February when Brian Michael Bendis actually launches that book finally. I know it's comics, and I know this is way too detailed, but if you had an actual situation like this where Miles makes the jump and Miles' family makes the jump and Miles' friends make the jump, you wonder where their cutoff would be, where, like, one of his friends just got none of his family and none of his anything. <laughs> it's like, where, where did everybody go? What happened? Right. Why am I here? Yeah, no, well, that that's a good question, you know? Like, I, I don't you know. You can't bring everybody's everybody. That would never work. So, no. I don't know. 
And unfortunately, I mean, because of the eight-month jump, the, the point is of the old, new, old, different Marvel now is that they're kind of like, well, we don't really want to answer these questions in a lot of ways. We just kind of want to tell new stories and not get hung up in the old. And for the most part, I'll go with them on that. The only thing where it really bugs me is kind of the fate of Cyclops, to be honest, because that seems like the weirdest because it was never left in a good place. Um, it's not like we got a Last Days that actually made sense and then eleven the Secret well, Wars. Unfortunately, all the Last Days books were for characters nobody cared about. Well, you're being a little harsh. Okay, besides your Kamala Khan, yeah, right, Magneto's book, fucking uh, Silver Surfer had so, one. Yeah, yeah, like nobody cared about any of those characters, right? Yeah, no. they don't really matter. The they're, same. Not, they're not top ten sellers. We'll no, say that. exactly, that? right? Well, speaking of those, so again, mm-hmm. okay, so we want to talk about books that do matter. So when we had Avengers End, we the last thing we saw was while the incursion, final incursion, was happening over top, you had Iron Man and, and Captain America beating each other to death. Yeah. So what happens next? You know, like, at what point do they kind of wake up and say, we're not going to be having this blood feud anymore? Like, wh- at what point do they decide, maybe we're not best friends, but we're not going to be killing each other either? Like, the world was in a pretty desperate place when they did the whole time runs out thing. Well, And now it seems <clears throat> like they've dialed back and things aren't so desperate well, anymore. He, he, he is the fixer, right? He fixed things, right? Yeah. He had to fix Tony because Tony was the king of all douches after Axis. Right, he left uh, Sabretooth. Sabretooth is still uh, still messed up. <laughs> yeah, um, so still inverted. Yeah, but you had to fix Tony because you couldn't have your new flagship character be the big d bag that he was at the end of. I gotta say, a missed opportunity that has n- really nothing to do with Secret Wars, but everything at the same time, uh, because the character never showed up and never w- touched the story was Daredevil. He had nothing to do with Secret Wars whatsoever. So they ended his book. He was happy and loved and living in San Francisco. Everyone knows. But there's a Daredevil. last day's book I would have read. Well, they didn't have one though. What? They should have. But anyways, he's he's happy. Everything's great. <laughs> they run. They end that run, and then you flip forward eight months later. He's living in New York. He's not seemingly in love anymore. No one remembers that he's Daredevil. And apparent instead of using uh, Reed to have somehow facilitated this, instead they've in story said that he did something that somehow. Daredevil did something. He's talked about it with Foggy, who's the only one who knows that he's still Daredevil. I'm like, fuck, really? Like, I understand putting the genies back in, in the bottle, but uh, it just feels very lazy to not at least use the laziest Deus Ex Machina you have, which is Secret Wars, and using that to reset his identity would have made more sense than Daredevil suddenly making a, some weird decision off-panel that we don't even know. I know. And, and they just no more mutants the mutants again. It was just... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly the... No uh, one wanted that. We, 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 we can all groan about that. <clears throat> yeah, collective sigh. Yeah, that's terrible. This is your perfect chance to fix the goddamn X-Men, and you fucked it up again. Yeah, because now... Well, it's kind of interesting, though, with the idea that the Terrigen Mist, it's, its overall effect has been to kind of make them sick. I actually kind of like it in concept. It's fine, but that's just their drive to push these goddamn inhuman books, yeah. and the X-Men are suffering for it. Yes, it does feel that way. What do you think, AJ? Um, I, I don't know. The X-Men haven't drawn me in in a while, but it's because of exactly what Paul's saying, where they keep trying to push the same story and do the same stuff, and it just... And Bendis was writing kind of the more flagship book, and I didn't really care about that. So, yeah, the, the X-Men haven't pulled me in a little while now. And sadly, <clears throat> unless Marvel gets them back, I don't know how much they're going to focus on making them a mainstay again like they were, say, in the 90s or so. They may just yeah. always kind of, for the foreseeable future be sort of a side tangent to the Marvel Universe doing their own little thing. Well, at least they have books. I mean, the FF has oh, nothing. Sure. 
Like, but, I mean, obviously there is no FF, but again, like, there's 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 no one using the name of the property at all, right? Well, look at all of Secret Wars itself, though. What what X-Men played a key role? You had Old Man Logan walking around through a couple of universes, I guess, but you had Cyclops, Doom, just straight up destroys him. Yeah. You, you saw Storm in there a little bit, you know, as part of the Life Raft group, but she didn't do anything no. critical. Star-Lord um, did more. Yeah. yeah, oh, absolutely, without a doubt. At Not least a, he got a solid no. fight. Yeah, and then not a surprise either. Um, I'll be a little sad just because I, I like the the concept of the Thors as kind of being the. I the, love the Thors. Oh my goodness. The the police force of oh. uh, this world. I I will miss that concept just because I thought that was fun. Yeah. Do uh, Do you have any ideas? Since we saw, okay, well let's use that as a tangent uh, sure. to jump to the other side stories, the the miniseries and everything within it. Um, I didn't read the Thors book myself, what? but I obviously saw highlights and you know key scenes and things like that from it um and i know that what is it ultimate thor's hammer made its way to the not 616 prime earth correct um so now we've got jane foster's thor and we've got another hammer out there somewhere uh any ideas speculation guesses on what that'll end up doing i have no idea you know i I hadn't even thought about that i forgot about that uh it's a good 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 question i don't know if jason aaron has any interest in that even like reading his book it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere near that do you know well, who wrote the there. thor's miniseries <laughs> itself it was jason aaron <clears throat> so Sorry. so yeah yeah he laid it there for himself if oh, he yeah. wants it yeah i guess if he wants it i mean so far it doesn't feel like he's necessarily needing it but i guess maybe that's his way of at some point when people when he eventually brings the odin son back as thor that Jane right. Foster can still be a Thor of some kind by using this other one that maybe will have mystical properties that will heal her of cancer. Like, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, could that be. that, that yeah. seems like it would be a nice way out for him. Because like, at some point, people are going to want the proper Thor back. Absolutely. As yep. much as people like Jane Foster as Thor and they're loving that book, at some point, they're going to want the Odinson to be Thor again. Yeah, when, like, what, Ragnarok's next year, is it? Yeah, yeah I believe so. Yeah, yeah, Ragnarok's next year, so... I mean, so. it's going to happen at some and point. And it doesn't mean if they bring Odin's son back that he can't use... I, I can't remember if Elfman Thor has a name for his particular hammer. It's called Molnir. Is it Molnir as well? Yeah. Okay. So there's no reason he can't have two of them. No. It's so weird, though. It's I think not... there's a reason he can't have two of them, because if you're running around with a hammer and a giant hammer axe, you're just killing shit weight with way too much prejudice. <laughs> I don't think you get two of them. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, no, Thor's... Uh, AJ, that was definitely a, a tie-in yeah. worth picking up. Yeah, it's my well, and I think it was one of the ones that was more critical only because you did see the fallout from it in the main book to whereas a lot of the other side stories really, I mean, they existed and they were good, but they didn't necessarily play any sort of major plot role. But that did seem like one of the more significant ones. Yeah, it was one of very few that actually tied back into it. I guess that was their way of not forcing you to have to read a bagillion tie-ins to get what was going on. They kept them very uh, much on their own little islands in Battle World. Yeah, I think there was only a few... It's interesting, I was looking at the list of all the different uh, kind of tie-in miniseries we had to this event, and a lot of them were good, and it's interesting, a lot of them do not, they didn't necessarily have a lot of tie-ins to the main event, but they do have ties to books that are actually happening now. Um, yes. Like, 1872, for example, like, very clearly, that character like, survived and ended up getting transported to the, the Prime Universe now as uh, Red Wolf, in his own book. Like, that's very clearly happening um, I don't know if you've read the launch of the new A-Force book. It's definitely, like, that character... Singularity, yeah. Singularity shows up from... She lived in Arcadia in uh, the Secret Wars Earth. 
she's now shown up in the Prime Earth, and she's like, why isn't everyone remember the me. way I remember them? Why don't they remember who I am? Yeah. So there's a lot of these characters from these books that I give them credit that they're actually using them to spin into new stories, which, I mean, at the, at the beginning, I never would have seen that coming, because I thought... These were all going to kind of be their own little... What-if stories, right? What-if stories that were encapsulated and kind of contained, and that was going to be it. Um, although Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, I don't need Regent ever again. <laughs> um, he's in the main universe, sadly, and I don't even... It, it, it looks like they're basically telling the same story, which is what bugs me more. Because I, I wasn't a huge fan of Renew Your Vows. I wanted to love it. I really did. And it just, it just failed to capture me. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it didn't really you work. You appreciate ha- him having his wife and the kid finally regular. And... It, it, you know what it was? It was just, but it was some weird version of Peter. It wasn't like it was six one six Peter. It was, you know, it was just a what if, right? Like it's yeah, because six one six Peter still run around in the main Secret Wars book, so you know it's not him. Yeah, yeah that's true. You know, so and I don't know. Oh, is I know AJ, you haven't read Invincible Iron Man. Uh, Paul, you're caught up in Invincible Iron Man. Yeah. Can I spoil one thing for that, AJ? Are you super against spoilers for Invincible Iron Man? You can put your ears on your hand. Under, uh, uh, no, you're perfectly fine. Go ahead. Good. Um, the way that the most recent arc ended, this is a tangent that has nothing to do with Secret Wars. Um, Tony Stark basically get, uh, hires MJ to be working for him. And reading through it and reading basically the job description, he's just made her Pepper Potts. Yeah. So where the hell is the real Pepper Potts? And like, and and even the way that Marquez draws MJ, he's giving her freckles like Pepper Potts, giving her a haircut like Pepper Potts. They're both redheads. She's just Pepper Potts. Like, can you tell me, Paul, what differentiates her from Pepper Potts here? Like, isn't she essentially just Pepper Potts now? I was going to say a business degree. (laughs) (laughs) You know, to be fair, I don't think even Pepper Potts has one. Because originally she was just, you know, the gal Friday, the receptionist who dated the the chauffeur and got married to Happy Hogan until eventually the movies made it that she had to be the love interest and then shoehorned that back in. So... I don't know business experience then, unless you count MJ's, I don't know, whatever, running a bar or something. Running a nightclub? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, I've, I've been listening to some podcasts lately about they're talking about um, people complaining about Peter being married to MJ and him being married to a supermodel. And a lot of the creators at the time were like, she was supposed to be a runway model, not a supermodel. Like, she was just supposed to be one of these everyday runway models. Right. And then suddenly, someone got it into their head to make her a supermodel, and it ruined everything. <laughs> because it was more believable that, like, I, you know, you could be married to a runway model much more likely than a glamorous supermodel who's everywhere. I know, as much as they're making her Pepper Potts 2.0, they needed somewhere to go with her. She was trapped in the Spider-Man book. But trapped. why does she have to be Pepper Potts 2.0? Like, I was I was worried about her being an Iron Man because I didn't want him to hit on her, I'll be honest. But now that he hasn't hit on her, and I appreciate that very much, and even they even have kind of a, a meta commentary on that. Yeah, absolutely. She's like, are you hitting on me? He's like, no, why does everyone always think that? Because uh, he, he usually is because he's a horn dog. Yes. But it just kind of, it's weird that they're not doing something a little bit more unique with her. Like, even her just being, you know, a nightclub owner and being in this other city that he's in, and maybe he frequents the club, I would have been okay with that. That would have at least been letting her do something, but just making her Pepper Potts 2.0 seems lazy. Well, and Bendis is better than that. We, we don't know. It's just, the first interview just happened, okay? They had their first quote-unquote date. Let's see how don't, they flesh no, it out. No, not date. He wasn't hitting on her. Right. But, and I'll, I'll argue Bendis is not better than that, only because Tony he had Tony sleep with Gamora like six issues into Guardians of the Galaxy. So it, no, it's not. I, I don't think he's. Can you blame him? That. Well, that was pre Secret Wars. Okay, he's been fixed. Oh yeah. 
He's, uh, I mean, I mean, Bendis, not Tony. <laughs> well, I mean, Bendis is—he's interesting too because I, you know, Ultimate End. I think everyone can kind of agree that that was a travesty and an, travesty. an unfortunate book. But I don't even know if it's necessarily Bendis's fault. Like, I feel like they didn't really give him. I, I feel like no one really edited him on it, and no one really told him what to do to a if, detriment. I don't understand what why they went the way they did. To me, it should have been um, the, the pure last story of that universe. So kind of have almost the last day story for those characters. Because all you really see of them is in issue one. And they're um, the antagonists, basically. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I, issue one is... I, I still love issue one of this series. It's amazing. Of Secret Wars? Of Secret Wars, right? But it's, it's kind of puzzling where it, it, you have essentially all of S.H.I.E.L.D., all of Ultimate S.H.I.E.L.D. and Ultimate Iron Man against the entire 616. Like, that's such a lopsided battle. So, I mean, I don't know where all the heroes ended up mm. after all is said and done. Um, and then you suddenly have, um, you know, uh, Hulk and Colossus and Nightcrawler and, and, and She-Hulk, and they topple the Triskelion. Like, it's no, nobody... Like, there was take no prisoner. It was pure our world versus theirs. There's no thought about any consequences about are we fighting other heroes or do we care about this other world? Well, no, we just want to keep ours and, and survive it, which was yeah. kind of... An interesting... Well, which made sense, though, because Time Runs Out made it very clear that everyone in the world knew about the incursions yeah. now, because the Cabal was very upfront with everyone, but this is what we're doing, and we're, like, destroying worlds, so it wasn't exactly. necessarily a surprise. Right. But either, either way, I would, have, I would have circled back, I would have had a bit of a story for the last days of those characters, because you don't get any of that, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe their lead-up to the final incursion, because um, I know you get the little blips and Time Runs Out, um, and then you pick up when Miles gets dispersed... And you finish with him, yeah. Like that's how I would have imagined that book would have gone. I will agree. Looking back at issue one, where you've got Hulk, Colossus, She-Hulk, and a few others, and uh, all the, I guess, difficulty of the decision of killing worlds that you saw in New Avengers, they're like, no, no, just fuck it, just push this whole building yeah. over. They're all dead. No. <laughs> yeah. Forget it. No mercy. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's. <laughs> and She-Hulk looks so brutal. I don't like. Yeah. There's. There, we're looking at some shots from the art. first issue, and there's some rough art here. <laughs> They're not all winners. <laughs> no. Um, oh, that's another thing, too. The, you know, the, the Doc Green story. I, I'm not even upset about Hickman at all. I love Hickman. Um, I'm more upset about everything that kind of happens in and around what Hickman has done because of publishing. Because uh, Doc Green had a great storyline in Hulk, and it was very abruptly ended with the concept that I guess he might be dying. And then Secret Wars happens, and then we get totally awesome Hulk, and we are slowly getting snippets of maybe what happened with Banner, but it doesn't really address how Jerry Dugan left his amazing Hulk run, which is disappointing. And again, that's just the continuity nerd in me, and as much as I try to let him go and let him die a little, the continuity nerd is still there. Um, and he, he ruins my life, because I think I, I would enjoy yeah. comics a lot more if that, that little person inside me just, <laughs> just stopped. I do love, uh, looking back at issue one, I forgot about the great Punisher scene, where oh, all I love the it. Yeah. villains are in the bar, and Punisher walks in. Oh, so great. Such a nice little, it's only two frames, but it's so perfect. And I love it so much because it leaves everything to the imagination. Like, does Bullseye just throw aside his face and kill him right then and there? Or does he, does, you know, Punisher maul them all down with an Uzi, or is it an epic, like, every time you read these two panels, it could be completely up to how it ends off. It's, I love how it just leaves it open to change. The only thing is, and again, continuity nerd, I apologize, he's here. <laughs> he's here to stay. Um, is that Punisher had a last day's story, which was fantastic, and he's not in anywhere near New York. 
He's on the other side of the world. He's in like the, the mm-hmm. Middle East when everything goes white. That's all. Yeah, I didn't read that crap, so this, this works for me. This, this works yeah. for you? Was, yeah. was there an Ultimates Punisher, though? Could this be the other Punisher? We, we could have multiple Punishers, is all I'm saying. Uh, well, it's pretty clear that this, this version of Bullseye, though, and like we're, we see all, like versions of our this, 616 I believe characters. it's 616, yeah. So I, it's I, a good point, but it's I, a good yeah. point, yeah. But I don't think I don't necessarily think so. Unfortunately, would you have? Well, no. I, I guess it's it's good for guess Punisher to be there. But would you have wanted all like Daredevil or some other street level heroes like Iron Fist and, and Power Man to be with them? Um, to be in that moment? No, yeah, no, no, okay. no, no. I agree. It's just no. Punisher because that was what makes it so Punisher esque. Yes. Because he just walks into this bar yeah. by himself with yeah. all these people and a gun. Yeah, yeah, and uh, although it does beg the question. Why hasn't Punisher been to this bar already? <laughs> like, why did he leave? He waited to the last day on Earth to dis- to kill these people? Like, why well, wasn't this his first he got, time? He got the email. He was CC'd. They didn't know. <laughs> and he would be CC'd. And he knew where they were going to be. And okay. yeah, take care of business. It just, it, you know what I mean, though? Like, how did he just happen to figure out where everyone was going to be? Did Here. you notice the emails, though? I mean, even the, even the subject line or the address lines for the emails... Uh, you had lizard at coldblooded.com, yeah. hit the target at hit.com, yeah. <laughs> oz at amazinghair.net. Yeah. Just even even that was funny That's for funny. that one yeah. page. Great, That's great true. moment. Loved it. I love that lizard has an email address. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, and it's not like Dr. Connors or something. Well, exactly. It's lizard at coldblooded. <laughs> of all the characters that have an email address, like, that's, that's hilarious. Uh, which is funny, too, because he's not even shown in that scene like everyone no. else is. Not even, he was invited, he just didn't show up. I would have liked it if Stiltman was on that email chain, you know, like, he probably didn't get one. He's all, prob- he, all, all the D-list villains are all... Yeah, all the D-list villains are at home. Um, what else can any, other, any other side books you guys were really big fans of? Try and touch on that right quick. Oh god, well there's so many. Um, oh, so any, any others that were the top of the list? I really enjoyed 1872, partially because I thought it was just a surprise, because it was something new. Um, there, it was almost surprisingly violent at times. Like, I think they, they, you think that Steve Rogers is going to be the hero of the story, and then they kill him and throw him what into, a, into like the a, pigs into a pig pen and he gets eaten by pigs. Um, so it's 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 pretty messed up, not for the faint of heart, I guess. But um, it had kind of a, a really cool kind of style to it. What was nice about it too is it took place in the same. It, the Hank Pym from um, Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies was from the 1872 book. Right. Um, so it was kind of cool to kind of see that universe. Uh, A-Force I liked. I mean, it was kind of a fun romp. Um, excited to kind of see what that's going to look like now. Age of Apocalypse had nothing really to do with the original Age of Apocalypse, but was still fun. But it, cause it felt like a 90s X-Men story. Yeah, it that's definitely it should have been. It felt 90s, very yeah. 90s. Although yeah. it had Dr. Nemesis, who was... He felt very doc, very 90s as well. Um, I loved Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies, but again, it shouldn't have been called that. I completely agree. Age yeah. of Ultron teams up with Marvel Zombies. Yeah, Marvel Zombies. I, yeah. I would have been so much better if it wasn't actual verses. It would have been so much more fun. Yeah. Well, um, we, we already had A plus X. We should have had A plus Z or something like that and well, just called it and moved Exactly. On. Yeah. That's actually pretty cool. Um, trying to think what else. Captain Britain and the Mighty Defenders I didn't really care for. Uh, Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps. I could have I taken, taken it or left it. Now, with that one, did Carol have anything to do with Sinister at all in that book? I'm guessing not. No, that no. wasn't our Carol. No. Okay. And, and nothing. Okay. No, not at all. Gotcha. Uh, I really liked the Civil War tie-in. I thought that was cool. It, it had a good creative team, Charles Sewell and Lionel Francis Yu. Uh, it was, you know, 
it, it was just it was very in and, in and of itself like it had nothing to do with anything, anything else. else yeah it was a good what if story but a very good what if story of you know what happened if Civil War just went a different way and it was very good and it also touches on not only Civil War but Secret Invasion a bit too right absolutely yeah, yeah. Uh, I knew you hated this Paul E for Extinction no, I like E for Extinction. Was that the one you liked? Yeah, I, which is by Guggenheim, which floored the crap out of me. But it, again, this another great book that... Oh, sorry, no. Extinction think- Agenda, I'm thinking of. Yeah, no, it's more some garbage you can shove it on a toilet. <laughs> Toilet paper. I was going to say, I was shocked for a second. Yeah, yeah, sorry. And I pulled up the cover to number one. Yeah, and oh, he, no, yeah. It was a big heel turn here. Yeah, um, yeah I wasn't a huge fan. It, it was okay, but it wasn't my favorite. I think a big <laughs> surprise for me was Ghost Racers. Love Ghost Racers. Um, Such a fun book. Because it was it was so off the wall, like every Ghost Rider character just racing and like death so, race with Ghost Riders. Yeah, fun. Like it, it was one of those what ifs that <coughs> kind of went off in its own direction. Uh, that had nothing. It wasn't coming off of any old event. It was just let's take all the Ghost Riders, throw them in an event together, and it worked. And it actually made like all the different Ghost Riders still work, and they all had their own personality, and it was a lot of fun. Did you read that, AJ? I wasn't a huge fan of the Ghost Rider relaunch, and so when that was the tie-in, I, I kind of avoided that, too. Um, I really enjoyed Future Imperfect, although, again, the continuity doesn't really work, because the where they left the maestro at the end of the book did not really feed into the main Secret Wars title. But the, the kind of how he's there, yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, and Age of Apocalypse <clears throat> was the same thing, because Apocalypse <clears throat> died in Age of Apocalypse, <clears throat> but then he was there <clears throat> in, uh, in uh, Secret Wars, but... If you actually read Future Imperfect in and of itself, like just as a kind of a standalone, it's a really enjoyable story. Yeah. Great artwork by Greg, Greg Land. Land. Yeah, I really and, solid uh, artwork on that. It was good. Um, and that was the first time to finish, right? That came out really it was, steady and it was really five early, issues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Giant Size Little Marvel AVX was a lot of fun. Had nothing to do with Secret Wars, but it was great. It was just Scotty Young having fun. If you like Scotty Young and you like his covers, then you'll like this. Otherwise, stay away from it. Um, it's just a... Just a fun book. Exactly. It's it's, it's, it's old ages in the best way. Uh, Guardians of Nowhere. Christ, I don't even remember this. Uh, oh, it was by Bendis. It felt very weird. It, it, it kind of wasn't sure what it wanted to be. At first, you had this Yotat character they wanted to find, which I think they're bringing into the Prime Universe now. Yes, I think um, And the, I think the second issue, they totally wasted by giving him an origin story for some reason. Yeah. Um, but I... It ended well because he had the concept in there a bit that Gamora knew this world wasn't right. Like she knew Battle World, this isn't what it's supposed to be, and she kept playing that off. Um, but they never really fleshed that out yeah. well enough. Uh, Hail Hydra was another one that kind of felt like the character of Nomad felt like Six One Six Nomad, but he shouldn't have been. And but it was by Rick Remender, artwork by uh, Boshi. It was a really good story, but again. It was confusing because of the continuity, but if you just kill the continuity nerd, it's fine. It's uh, I did you read the Hank Johnson one shot? That I loved that one. Yeah, it's a I fun just picked book. it up the other day and read it for the first time and thought it was a blast. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely incredible. Like I didn't know what to expect from this because I was kind of like, well, why do we need another Hydra book that's not you know a Bob? You know, Bob is our, usually our. Our, our go-to agent of Hydra, you know, Deadpool's friend. Yeah. So here we get this all-new character. But, yeah, it was so they, much fun. They nailed it. It was great. And the, the art was brilliant. Like, it was it was both very, like, Starenko-esque when it needed to be, but also very, like, David Aha at other times. Like, very down-to-earth. And, like, the, the conversation when they're busy, you know, doing the Hail Hydra salutes and... 
Um, like the, his it, wife pushing him to get a promotion and everything. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe if we go to AIM instead. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, so. it, it felt like uh, Seinfeld meets Hydra, like in a weird way. Like it was just yeah. so good. Um, yeah, one of those you know kind of surprise books where you were kind of like, oh, I don't know if this one shot's going to be any good, and it was one of the best books they did. Yeah. Um, House of M was an interesting tie-in by Colin Bunn. Um, it was kind of a fun kind of what if on the on the House of M kind of story. Very in and of itself, though. Again, very insular. A lot of these are though. Uh, Howard the Human was a lot like that too. Uh, yeah. I liked I liked Inferno. Did you not like Inferno at all, Paul? Inferno was okay. Inferno was okay. I loved Infinity Gauntlet. I thought Infinity Gauntlet was fantastic. My only problem with Infinity Gauntlet is I wish. The family was the Alexanders, yeah, or some some version of the Alexanders, not this weird out of nowhere brand new characters that never existed before. Being uh, being curious about that series, and I read the first issue, and they did pick up the remainder. Where where did that end up going? Like, what was the overall point of that series? What were they attempting to do? Uh they were trying to put together the gauntlet, but I can't even remember if there was a point to that. Did they did they accomplish that? What was the result? I'm pretty much asking you to spoil the series for me and anyone listening. So sorry, somebody doesn't want to hear. It, but. Uh, I'm pretty sure someone put it together, but they do assemble it in the end. I think they do put it together, but yeah, I think the Nova puts it together. But it's it's, it's their version of the Gauntlet. Like it's not even like like it's only I guess good in this particular. You know, realm of battle world, so it doesn't even right. really matter. But right. the Thanos who's looking for it gets destroyed. I guess spoiler. Yeah, he well he keeps time jumping every single time because he fails to He's... accomplish his goal. So we we find out as the series goes on, this this particular Thanos continues to time jump and 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 uh, try and start over every single time. Yeah, I mean, it, I I actually love it. I, I think it's a great book. Um, Jerry Dugan and Dustin Weaver did an amazing job. The art is brilliant. I do echo and agree with uh, Paul that if it had, excuse me, just been the Alexanders, it probably would have been just as good a story. Like it wouldn't have taken anything away from it. The fact that they kind of made this new story, like, these new characters, didn't really need to be. But I guess it also made it more unpredictable because you had no idea what was going to happen. Whereas if it had been the Alexanders, you might have a, a vague idea because we know who the Alexanders are. We know of them from the Prime Universe, whereas at least here it's all new characters, all new story. You don't know what's going to happen. Anything can surprise you. Were you surprised, Paul? Was I surprised? Yeah. It took some directions I didn't always expect. No, it's true. You got, you got Star-Lord and Gamora in there at some point as well, and um, this weird Earth that's full of bugs and insects. It was a good book. I did like it, but I would have liked it more if it was characters I could relate to more. Uh, we had an Inhumans tie-in because, you know, why not? We need to push the Inhumans as much as possible. I actually kind of dug it, although it didn't matter uh, at all. In fact, if you read it, it extra doesn't matter. Like, oh. everything gets reset at the end of the story, and it starts playing out again, but the roles are all reversed. So it actually does not matter, more so than normal. Because awesome. everything that happens is undone uh, at the end of that story, So that which is too bad. But the story itself was okay. Because it was interesting because, like, in it, you know, Black Bolt doesn't even have his powers. Like, it's he's a bartender, and at the end of the story, he is the king, he has his powers, and Medusa doesn't have any powers, and she's tending bar. Like, it's, again, a total flip. And Paul's giving me this weird look. All right, so save the trouble. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, I saved everyone the trouble. Um, Korvok Saga, I actually really liked it. It was enjoyable. Um, 
Again, very insular. I can't get past the first issue. No? No. Was the art a little too... No, no should no. be art. Just, just didn't care. Here's the thing. I don't think it was made for you. No. Because it was made for someone who kind of has more of an affinity for the for 70s saga. core box yeah. saga. For sure. So I think if you really liked 70s Avengers, you would really dig this. If you didn't like 70s Avengers, don't read it. It's not for you. Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, Modoc Assassin. That was a fun little book. I wanted to enjoy it more than I did. I just got really yeah. bored with it because... The core premise of him trying to impress uh, Angela, Angela yeah. just got a little wearing. Um, yeah. Now, you read Marvel Zombies, right, AJ? Yeah, I was going to say on that note, big shout-out for MODOK. He appeared in the main book as a zombie. He appeared in uh, Marvel Zombies and Ultron. He appeared in Marvel Zombies proper. Right, he appeared yeah. in MODOK Assassin. MODOK was all over this bitch. <laughs> everywhere. I got to admit, I don't actually remember having finished Marvel Zombies. Was it a worthwhile read? Um, do you, I mean, I can say how it ends if you don't. If we don't. If we're going there, we don't, don't care. Go there, please. So you know, she uh, Elsa Bloodstone. It's, it's obviously an Elsa Bloodstone story, as you know by the cover. She's on the first issue, um, and it's her out in the wastelands trying to make it back to the wall and everything. And she comes across this young child um, who kind of looks like Avatar, uh, the first Avatar, oh, okay. uh, just a bald, yeah, little kind of nondescript, generic-looking child. Um, and she's having flashbacks about her dad and the Bloodstone legacy and kind of being tortured by that a little bit. And, uh, she essentially makes it her mission to get the kid back to the wall. Also, uh, zombies attack. And then the kind of resolution is this other entity attacks and is like stalking her and hunting her. That turns out to be her dad, who's still alive and like infused with all these broken shards of a bloodstone. And so she has to fight her father only to realize that the little kid that she's had with her all the time is essentially like her youthful psyche manifests as a person. So she's been trying to save her childhood, in a sense, the whole way. But it's really interesting that it's it's an examination of Elsa Bloodstone while hmm. surrounded by zombies. Interesting. Um, you know what? But, now that you describe it, I have finished it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, because she has to fight her dad and everything. I mean, I think I did read, you know, hundreds of these, so... Or right, so right, many right. of these that it's easy to forget. But yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. It was actually a, a much better story than I think I expected. But I think it's because they didn't call it Bloodstone. They called it Marvel Zombies. Marvel Zombies, yeah. And so I expected yeah. it to be something that I didn't really want to read as much. And it, I got something a little bit more entertaining. Well, I thought it was interesting as far as it being a Zombies title. But usually we have zombies as kind of the lead characters, you know, in, in the zombies books. Mm-hmm. You've got them traipsing around, killing different worlds, doing different things. But in this, the zombies are just the setting. They're really nice. It's more of a Walking Dead tale where it's yeah. Elsa's story and they're just an obstacle for her. For some reason, I don't know why, but whenever you say Elsa, I know you mean Bloodstone, but I keep thinking Frozen anyway. Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, Elsa against zombies is awesome. Um, did you read Master of Kung Fu? I did not, no. Honestly, I know Paul's giving me the look like no one cares. Um, <laughs> that was my first thought. <laughs> here's the thing. It was actually a really fun little story about um, it kind of blending together the uh, Iron Fist story and and uh, the Shang-Chi story and it was into this world where, you know, there's this fighting culture and um, Shang-Chi has to kind of go through these trials and tribulations and all these different uh, battles so that he can end up fighting his father and killing him. It's a good story. It's, it's, it's again, a, a nice little what if. If you like Kung Fu, if you like Shang-Chi, this is a good story. If you don't, you stay, stay clear of it and you won't miss anything. 
Uh, Hayden Blackman wrote it in artwork by Dalibor Talajic. Um, again, I thought it was interesting, but again, you're not going to miss anything if you don't read it. It's not consequential to anything. It's just a fun story. And that's what I like about some of these is that they don't need to matter. Um, they are there just for enjoyment. And I, I, I do appreciate Marvel doing a good job of if you just read Secret Wars itself, you didn't really miss a lot. I mean, you missed Thor's, but you got enough of it, so you don't feel like you really need to but, read Thor's. Well, Thor's is the last issue, if anything, right? Exactly. To be fair. Um, but I like that. This is this is one of those things where they really did follow through on their promise of you don't need to read the tie-ins, but if you did... You didn't have to read anything. You, it fleshed out the world, but really what was more unique to this is that if you like a concept, if you like a what-if, go for it. There's a book for you, and there's... Pretty much a book for almost every taste here. If Absolutely. you like Kung Fu Adventure, if you like cute, yeah. cutesy kid stuff, there's G- there's um, Avengers uh, and X-Men, the, the babies. Scotty Young. Yeah. By Scotty Young. Like, there's kind of something for everyone. There's 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 Old West. There's zombies. There's, death you know, race. There's Death Race. Yeah. 90s pure X-Men stuff, right? Yeah. There's kind of everything you want. And I give them credit because how often do you get an event that gets to scratch almost every single itch of your reader base? Never. <laughs> Sure. Very rarely, yeah. Well, yeah. and uh, it, it was a rare opportunity to get our uh, 90s X-Men actually back in a comic form, so I'll tip of the hat to that to whoever greenlit that project. Whether the book was that great or not, it was just great to see that world existing again. Did, oh. you, did you read it? Did, who are we talking to? Did I? Well, I guess Adam read it. Um, I read the first issue of it, and then it just didn't make the poll list for monetary reasons, but no, I haven't read all of it just yet. Okay. I think I can sum up for Paul because I can sum up his face. Um, uh. um, I think basically he wanted it to be the cartoon and instead it was more of um, a pastiche of 90s X-Men cliches that looked, that looked like the cartoon but wasn't the cartoon itself. Yeah, I feel like they were trying to poke fun at the 90s rather than uh, appreciating giving callbacks. And as soon as you got stupid Cassandra Nova involved from Morrison's bullshit, I, I guess... Why are you here? You don't exist in the 90s continuity. I don't need you here. I don't need Senator Kelly racing down a chariot with these silver dogs. I don't know how that was supposed to be. <laughs> I, I mean, essentially... But there were some fun beats. Like, I love Jubilee playing a 90s arcade game. That was all. Yeah. Why, why is Daz in this game and not me? Or when <laughs> Wolverine walks into that store and all they have is the yellow checkered shirts and the, and the oh, yeah. jackets he wore every time in the series. And there were some fun beasts, but then when you know Cable and Bishop show up, all their guns are massive, and they're saying these these cliche lines saying, "I got the big guns, let's go," you know. Like, I, I think at the end of the day, you kind of wanted a lost episode of I the did. TV series. That's all I wanted, and they I didn't wanted. deliver that. Yeah, like you, you just wanted an episode that felt like they could have aired it, but they didn't. And, yes, and, the, and that's, it what, was it sh- that's what it should have been. I agree with eyes. that because when they first put out the art, the promo art, that was definitely the feeling that you got. That you were going to get yeah. that Jim Lee style yeah. X Men animated series on Fox. You were going to play the theme song in your head, and that's exactly. what the comic was going to be. And I do have to say that it's too bad that we didn't quite get that in comic book format because yeah. who doesn't want that? Everybody wants that. Everybody wants that. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. A diamond in the rough that I never expected to enjoy was Mrs. Deadpool and the Howling Commandos. Really? Yeah. Like it. Again, it's one of these weird books that kind of is in and of itself. If you want to read, you know, kind of a kooky monster mash book, then you got one. That's not for you, Paul. It's okay. <laughs> it's was, that, uh, was that also written by Jerry Dugan? Uh, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I'll look that up. I'm not actually sure. It's, it sounds like something he'd be doing. I think it was. 
in, in which case, yeah, I would agree. I, I've read the Dracula's Gauntlet or whatever arc where she was introduced for the first time a couple of months back and really enjoyed it. So I, I, it was a book I thought about picking up. Probably um, go back and get a trade. Yeah, it was Jerry Dugan. Yeah, yeah. So he was the one who made the character, I believe, in the first place, at least the recent incarnation. So I could see him handling that pretty well. Uh, we got um, Old Man Logan, which was a gorgeous-looking book that didn't have a lot of a reason to exist. Because <laughs> it was just kind of him journeying around the wall. So, well, I don't know. Like, was that enough for a book? Like, yeah. I, well, here's the thing: when everything else gets to be a what if in that world, I would love to see more of a what if of what happens next in the Old Man Logan world. Instead, we got one issue of that. Then he's like, "Oh, there's a wall here. I'm going to climb it." And then he's just kind of traipsing around for what reason? Well, it's it's part of their way to drop. To we knew he was coming over, right? I know. So because he was a major player to come over to the Prime Universe, they had to make him bigger than just a what if in that little world. I guess. I would agree, Paul. They just needed a, a series to kind of... No, I agree, Adam. They probably could have done more with them, but that's the whole reason we got that series was just because they knew they wanted a Wolverine to come over. So. I know. I mean, I, I got to say, like, again, Bendis is kind of swung, like swinging a miss again for me in terms of his scripting. That being said, again, the Sorrentino's art is absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know if he is the regular artist or not. He is for the new book, yeah. Okay, good. Because, yeah, yeah his, his rendition of Old Man Logan is so harrowing. And he, he looks old, like he looks aged. Like, Humberto Ramos is doing the art on him on Extraordinary X-Men. He doesn't look that old. He doesn't look... Gray hair, that's all he's got. Yeah, yeah like he, he looks too youthful. <laughs> like, he's supposed to look like he's had the weight of the world on him, and he just wants to give up. That's what I want to see, and Sorrentino delivered it in spades. One other side question. Um, I know, I was trying to figure out the timeline in the book, just reading back through it, kind of skimming over everything. Um, when they... When the survivors are pulled out of the raft, I believe Doctor Strange says something about. Oh, Valeria says we've known about it for years. Somebody quotes that they've been there for three years. Yes, I think that's yes. strange. Yeah. But yeah. then when Spider Man and Molecule Man are talking, or Spider Man and uh, Peter and Miles are talking to the Molecule Man, and he talks about the cheeseburger in his pocket, he says, "So you've had that for eight years and three weeks?" And he's like, "I don't think suspended animation counts." And he's like, "Oh, so three weeks then?" So was that was that right? How did we go from three years in the raft to eight years on that hamburger, on that cheeseburger? You brought up a good point. It's uh, That's a very good point. I guess that's probably just an error in the script, to be honest. Cause... And I, I mean, I think it was eight years. I'm pretty sure I just read it, reread it a few minutes ago, and I thought he said eight years. And so I didn't know if that was an error or if I missed something where five years took place. Or is he making a quippy remark and agrees that being in there forever? Well, yeah, but that's a good question, though. It could be, yeah. It could just be a, an over-exaggeration. But yeah. I didn't know how long, actually, Battle World happened. I mean, if they were in there for three... I mean, obviously, it took at least three years. But eight years is a long time if some of these people are coming out with memories of this thing. Like, all the things that could have happened in that time span. Yeah. No, there's definitely a... You're right. There's definitely um, an issue there. I'm, I wonder if they'll kind of go back and someone will notice that and they'll correct it in, like, collected editions. Because that's You'll the have type- to let us know. Because that's the type of thing they could just, you know, edit and fix. Yeah. Pretty easily. Um, because, yeah, that's... I mean, it's not a huge deal, though. I don't think anyone's... No, 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 no. ...going to be super upset about the fact that, wait a minute, there's five extra years unaccounted for. Or no, maybe they the will. stories are told, they are what they are, so it doesn't really matter, but... But that... No, that's a keen eye, AJ. Yeah. Like, yeah, I didn't okay. catch that. Look at you. Well, because... Well, how long of a span was issue one to, or to this, right? Hmm. Maybe it's also a reference to how yeah, how long the event's been running. <laughs> Maybe it was a little meta. It could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
like, I do like in issue nine when you are flipping through the back and you see all the ads for like Wolverine issue number five and things like that. It's like, yeah, we know we didn't get it out on time, guys. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, also in tie-ins, I'll just run through because there's still more, so I'll be I'll try and be quick on the tie-ins now. Planet Hulk had nothing to do with the original Planet Hulk. I actually liked it as a story, but it was basically just a version of Steve Rogers and Devil Dinosaur on basically the, the uh, Hulk wasteland. Hulk yeah. infested Greenland, wasteland. Greenland. Yeah, Greenland. Uh, Red Skull was a weird book set in, on the shield um, with like the Red Skull just kind of traipsing around. Like I can't even remember exactly what it was doing. Runaways was kind of interesting because it felt like it was going to have more to do with the main continuity and then it didn't. But it at least took place at the, uh, I guess, the Future Foundation, basically. Um, or whatever they called it. I think they called it something else, but the Doom Academy or something. And it was yeah. basically these people who went on the run from the Doom Academy. It was all right. Um, Siege had a lot more to do with the actual kind of battle world, uh, what was going on. Well, because talking it, about them being the wall, right, which was a big thing that they had, had you've seen a lot of in the, in the various books, they refer to the wall a lot. So it was all about the fall of the wall and kind of how it happened, and so there's a lot more here, and it actually, like, you see the thing in it and as he breaks free after Secret Wars, so it has a little bit more of a connection. You see Thanos having his bit of a, you know, his talk with uh, the thing as well, so... And this is the 616 Thanos, right? The 616 yeah. Thanos. So Siege actually does have more of a connection than yeah. most of the other books. Uh, let's see, Spider Island, I absolutely adored. I thought it was so much fun. It was so wacky. Um, Christos Gage wrote the main story. It was basically Flash Thompson and a bunch of uh, infected um, heroes trying to fight against the Queen from Spider Island. Very insulated, had nothing to do with anything else, uh, but it's a lot of fun. Um, and it had kind of a backup that was all about uh, Spider Woman, which was, which was good as well. It was just kind of cool. Like It, it was a storyline where we actually got to see... Um, um, a, a spider-infected Iron Man, and the only way to inoculate him was to pump him full of the um, the Green Goblin serum, so he becomes the Iron Goblin, which is hilarious because we had you know Norman Osborn as the Iron Patriot Iron before, Patriot, so yeah. this was kind of him repaying that. Um, it was a really cool, fun story, um, going in kind of a weird direction. Squadron Sinister, did you read that? No, I did. Yeah, what did you think of that? I really enjoyed it. I like the fact that since they're all kind of the bad guys, that nobody really gets out safe. Like nobody gets out way free. They all just pay a price at the end um, for all their little machinations and backstabbings and whatnot. Yeah, I liked it because it was essentially a villain's book, right? Like it yeah. was. Oh yeah, without a doubt. It was a bunch of dicks plotting against each other, and uh, it doesn't go well. <laughs> but even the perceived good guys don't really win in the end. So no, they really don't. Yeah, there, nobody wins. There's no happy ending in Squadron nope. Sinister. Nope, but uh, not at all. I honestly, Paul, I would recommend you pick it up because it was actually a fun read. I need to read. Uh, although I think it's by Guggenheim, and I don't know how you feel about Guggenheim. Yeah, not my favorite, that's for sure. Paul, I'd recommend you just borrow it from Adam and read it. That that's, would probably be the better. It's a good call. Yeah. Guggenheim Option. and Pacheco. Uh, it was good. It was a very good read. Um, we got Star Lord and Kitty Pride. Was fun. I like that book. Um, it, it doesn't have a huge connection. I mean, we see what where Star Lord goes, although it seems like he's been there a while when he gets there. But he's hanging out in a bar, and I love how he's singing the the show tunes from Disney. That's hilarious. yeah. He sings he sings a lot of Disney show tunes um, at a bar, and no one knows about it. Apparently, in Doom's recreated world, Disney didn't there exist. Just very sad. 
Um, and it's kind of a fun romp with him and Kitty Pride. It's a, a very different version of Kitty, not his so Kitty. It's like an AOA or a version of AOA Kitty Pride or something? Yeah, and they have kind of a, a little bit of a romance, which was fun. Thor, as we already talked about, which was really good. Fantastic. Ultimate End was garbage. Um, also, uh, sorry, uh, Weird World I thought was actually a lot of fun. Um, the art was really trippy, and now Weird World exists in the main universe, so it, there might be a little bit of um, a bleed over. I've never thought Archon was so interesting until this book. Um, part of what makes the book work is the amazing art by Mike Del Mundo. Uh, Jason Aaron wrote a fun story. Um, I think it's worth checking out. Uh, it's very trippy, though. Del Mundo is really crazy art. Um, he doesn't. He plays fast and loose. Like it's not straightforward at all. Uh, I didn't read Mer Monsters Dwell. I kind of missed out on that one. Anyone read that? No. No. X Men '92. We already talked about Extinction Agenda. You actually like this one, Paul? I did. It was it, again. It felt like a great '90s X Men story. Um, I love like the battle of, of Havoc's team. Uh, busting on that ex utopia city that uh, Rachel Gray, I guess, as the Phoenix, was kind of leader of that group. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much it was in synergy with the original. Uh, it it's, series. it picks up quite nicely from the original version yeah. of uh, Extinction Agenda. It's it's very organic. It's a it's a great story. Yeah, I um, enjoyed the art. I didn't think it lost its way at all. It was very very to the point. Um, the art is by one of my favorites, Cameron DJ Domenico, and almost whenever he writes, a, uh, sorry, illustrates a book, I need to read it because he's just one of my favorite storytellers, and he did a really great job. And then Years of Future Past, I think you had uh, strong words about this one, Paul. How did you? Feel oh about my it? God, this book was so terrible! <laughs> Holy fuck! Um, That's why we have you, Paul. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this book was total garbage. I, I, the where it killed me the worst was when Colossus goes on this ridiculous monologue at one point, and it just seems so out of you know what version of Colossus would ever sit down and say this garbage. And it became this weird um, Logan's son and uh, Kitty and Colossus's daughter, and they're being the next hope for the mutant kind in this Daisy Future Past setting, and it was just drivel it just dragged on and it was so much talking heads and it just was all over the place and oh it was a nightmare well i don't think i quite had the same reaction um <laughs> but you know it, it was okay um i i didn't think it was that great um i liked the artwork by mike norton i thought the art was good uh margaret bennett i wasn't super impressed with the story it was an interesting way of kind of do trying to do a natural um picking up of the classic Days of Future Past story, but I don't know if it quite worked out enough because I do think it was a little bit too convoluted at times with the parentage of certain characters and the new hope for the X-Men. And Yeah, it, it, I, I thought the X-Men titles could have been a little stronger. Well, for doesn't them. it end on a vague note when tigers are suddenly walking into this church or some nonsense? I can't even remember. I kind of blocked it on my brain, but <laughs> it just... Tell was, us how you really feel, uh, Paul. That wasn't good. Um, now, did you, Paul have a chance to uh, listen to any or should not listen to did you read any of the last days because I mean that is part of Secret Wars 2 I mean we don't talk about it but it was a thing as I mentioned earlier because so many of them related to characters that I couldn't care less about it really none of them captured me to try and read what about you AJ any last days for you um Uh, no, didn't Magneto, no. 
No. All right, Sam so Wilson I'm going to go solo on this quickly. Uh, <laughs> Ant-Man was fantastic because everything Ant-Man by Nick Spencer is amazing. Uh, so it was a really solid read. Black Widow felt like a, a nice end to the run, but it felt a little rushed. Captain America and the Mighty Avengers wasn't very good. Um, it was kind of a weird way to end that book. Uh, I'm trying to remember what else even ended. Um, Howard the Duck was kind of a weird ending as well. It didn't really feel like it earned itself as being a last days. Uh, Loki Agent of Asgard was probably one of the best last days I read because it was that book. If you read the entire series, I'm still confused, but in a good way. Like it was one of those books where um, it was definitely trying to tell a really kind of high, high minded story, super intelligent, uh, all about the nature of stories and storytelling and lies and what that means. And it's not, it's not simple, you know, I'm going to read a comic book today. It's, you got to set some time for this, and you got to put it aside. And I think you got to read the entire run to really digest it, but I think it was really well done. Magneto, I think Colin Bunn's kind of said, like, he, he kind of just said, hey, you're ending, you got a few issues to do, and it felt like we just got a lot of introspection, but I think it actually worked. It was, the parts in the, in the, in the current, um, you know, as the last days were happening, felt very exaggerated it was a long kind of long-winded magneto trying to try and pull the worlds apart and then not working but there was a lot of flashbacks that were actually really good flashing back and things i thought that no one would ever flash back to and not being afraid to talk about things that people don't usually talk about in magneto's history so that part was good uh miss marvel was fantastic they actually used it to tell a story miss marvel got to meet carol danvers uh she got to kind of approach the end of the world with her best friend it was really well done Silver Surfer, again, they got to tell a little bit the nature of storytelling and reshaping worlds, and they actually got to, to do something that was a little bit more interesting. Are still drawing him in crayon? Yes, you still hate the art. Yes, yeah, okay. they do. Um, and Punisher, again, it wasn't quite the ending we got in Secret Wars, but it was good. It was, it was, it, I thought it was a, a very effective last Punisher story, if it was going to be the last Punisher story, and it definitely ended on a, a very dour note. Uh, which is kind of where you want Punisher stories to end. Like, he he was basically dead, and um, now he's alive again, I guess. We're guessing, so. All right, I'm done talking about the last days, I promise. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, f- any other final thoughts? We're going to wrap it up in just a minute. Final thoughts in Secret Wars as, an, as, a, as a line-wide event or about the book in, in itself? I liked both. I thought the main story was really well done. I thought it was a culmination for Hickman of a long, overreach, you know, overarching story that really put a, a nice, you know, period on the tail he had to tail. And uh, I thought the a lot of the tie-ins were really good too. They were self-contained. Um, yeah, I don't know. Thumbs up for me. I, I enjoyed it. It was one of the better Marvel events I've read in a long time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I can't. I can't echo that any better. Um, it was very well told. Um, there weren't a lot of holes that you can really complain about. Um, they had genuine, I think, fun with a lot of the tie-in books, um, and it made it an enjoyable read for for the fandom. Like you had mentioned, that no matter where you kind of sit, there's a book for you uh, in this, which is nice. And you didn't feel bad if you didn't read any of it because the, the core book was so well contained and and uh, and compressed, worth the wait in the end. Um, I think the ending was was really well. It was a good ending, you know. Like event hasn't ended really well for any event in a long time since maybe the Whisper of No More Mutants, you know, in House of M. 
You don't like the ending of Civil War? Well, Civil War's good, too. That was after, I think. Um, yeah, they, there has been a problem of late. Well, here's the thing, right? Most of the events, it seems like they're almost geared towards getting to the ending because the ending is the launching pad for something else. Correct. Whereas here, it actually didn't... It wasn't. It, it wasn't the launching pad that we were led to assume it was going to be. No. It was creating a, a new universe that we don't quite know everything about yet. But it wasn't necessarily saying you have to go out and pick out everything now. You could read nothing else after this. This yeah. could be your, you know, you know what? I'm done with Hickman's done. I'm done. I'm not going to read any more Marvel comics. And you're not going to feel like you didn't get to feel the rest of the story because the story was only just beginning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas a lot of the more recent events, it <laughs> ends, but it's not really over because it's really just starting. Yeah, and the only way they tweak things. You come back, it's not... It's not really all new, all different, quote unquote. It's you know, it's fairly similar to what we knew. It's like we we jump eight months and suddenly now Jane Foster is, is Thor, and suddenly now Sam Wilson, Captain America. They already were kind of established as that before we got there, and and maybe they should have waited. Who knows? Um, the biggest jump is Rich Rich Peter Parker. Rich, absolutely. In eight months, he uh, after being it was crumbled. He had nothing left at the end of yeah, uh, Spider Man. Because it's weird to see in in any book. <laughs> To ever have Peter Parker say, oh, don't worry, I'll pay for that, when they, just, <laughs> when they destroy something at, like, a museum, you're like, what? No, 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 he can't afford to pay for that. But it's just weird to see, like, a rich Peter Parker, uh, a confident Peter Parker. I mean, I, I guess the only problem with the eight-month gap is that they made it seem like we would eventually find out what happened in those eight months, and I don't think there's any intention of actually doing that. You don't think so? I don't honestly think so. I don't. Maybe in X Men. I think X Men may be the one place where there's like a giant question mark. But for most of these books, they just like not not a lot has really changed. There hasn't really been an active Avengers team. That's all we need to know. We don't need to know what happened in those eight months and why there wasn't an Avengers team. Like, the, like you know what I mean? Like they don't really need to flesh it out. But for some books, like a Spider Man, which I don't think they want to explain because I don't think they adequately can, to be honest. Like, how can you really explain how someone went from, like, literally zero to the biggest hero, the richest guy, in, in, in just eight months? Like, that's a big leap. Even in this day and age where things move super fast, I find that hard to believe. Fair enough. Okay. Like, he's buying the Baxter building after eight months? What? Like, oh. the Baxter building is primo real estate in New York. Like, they don't just give that away for nothing. Well, Reed fixed him good. He has family. Yeah, well, that's another question. Like, shouldn't that have gone to Johnny? Like, like, shouldn't it have been in the will or something? Or shouldn't, it, <laughs> like, shouldn't the Future Foundation have that? Like, how is it, Peter Parker, boy, boy genius, able to just walk in and buy the place? Like, it just, I don't know. Again, I gotta stop with the continuity, yes, man. You do. You I do. know. You would think there'd at least be some paperwork Reed had to sign off on or something. <laughs> well, you'd think there'd be something, right? Um, you know, and, and, and like Johnny knows about it. Like Johnny, Johnny knows that he he bought the building, and I don't know. And now it's the, you know Parker Industries like like main lab in New York, which is you know, that's a big step up from you know, your own little business that just you know broke down to the ground. But anyway, um, overall, yeah, I think it was a successful event. I mean, I don't think it was unsuccessful at all. I mean, I think they stuck the landing. They did the ending they wanted to. It didn't feel editorial at all. Um, some of these events you can f kind of feel editorial fingerprints. I think I just felt Jonathan Hickman's fingerprints, and I thought that was what I wanted to, you know, to get off this. Um, I wanted to feel like this was what he wanted the story to be. This was 100%. his. This was his vision. Um, it's. I, I'm curious what the script would have looked like if it had only been eight eight issues, and what would have had to been sacrificed. Because yeah, I don't think it could have been done. 
Like, seeing it now, like, there's some stuff that maybe could have been a little bit condensed, but this last issue was pretty packed. Not an issue's worth, yeah. Yeah, like, and, and like, how often these days do you pick up an event comic and you, you flip through it and you read it and you're done in maybe five, six minutes, and it wasn't really worth it, but I felt like most of these issues felt like you really had to get through it. There was a lot going on, and again, I don't think I've ever been as excited as that first issue was. Like, that first issue had such a sense of excitement, and the world is ending literally. Like, like there's nothing left. Like, when Reed, Reed uh, has to watch, you know, Sue and... Like, oh, so powerful. Like, go? Like, that's, yeah. that's hard to watch. So, their eventual reunion is that much harder to see that they, she doesn't even remember him at all. And, like, all he's been able to think about is that he failed her. Like, he couldn't hold on just a little bit longer. He couldn't get to her. Like, that's that's emotional stuff. It's easy to forget, but this all this was always Reed's story. Yeah, I mentioned at the time, I think, but when I, I remember reading Secret Wars number one, I read it, like, two or three times after I got it. And it's, it's hands down one of my favorite comic books of all time that I've ever read. It was just so amazing. Um, it's interesting. For me, I, I got the same kind of excitement from reading it that I felt years ago when I read um, Secret Invasion number one. Because that book had a lot of pro- uh, started promise. started really well. Its That's first issue true. hit like, like a, I don't know. Wrecking ball. Like a wrecking ball. Yeah, it really did. Because everything just fell apart. It was the same type of thing. Like, everything is just hitting right away. The action's hitting you. And you're like, what the hell are the heroes going to do now? And then it became kind of a... It really lost its way. Whereas this book, yeah, you had this dire sense of what the hell is going to happen next. And then you go to the next issue, you're like, who are these Thors? You know, God Doom. You get thrown into the deep end. And then event, they pull back the curtain. You get to see more of it. And then it just ramps up from there. And eventually we get this... This epic climax of just these two egos that cannot exist in the same space. Um, and what happens when Reed and Doom finally have one of their epic battles and Doom finally kind of admits something that, you know, that Reed is better. Like, that's, that's tough for Doom to do. So, and I, I, it's interesting, I've heard, seen some commentaries about after all this, of, uh, after all the big ideas, it comes down to two guys punching the crap out of each other. Yeah, yeah. sometimes it does. <laughs> It's, but it's about who are, is the two people punching the crap out of each other. And how they've got to that point, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And don't F with the Molecule Man. No. <laughs> apparently not. Safe to say. Not when he's got the power of all his other Molecule Men with him, apparently. No, and so it's going to be interesting to kind of see, you know, if if and when we ever kind of see the Molecule Man again. Like, maybe they're going to retire him for a while. Well, he, he obviously, the, the, the core version of him is with Reed, the Foundation, right. as slivers of him remake the multiverse and right? he's getting more and more sane and put together as he gets yes exactly I wonder like does he have infinite selves I don't know like well, I don't know we don't know well, I guess the, it's a multiverse right there could be as many universes as we want seems to be what they were alluding to though for every universe Reed created they split off another fraction of him so yeah I guess there are as many of him as there are universes yeah, which is pretty cool and I guess it kind of begs the question when are we going to get uh, the catalog that Franklin and, and everyone in the Future Foundation, they're creating this catalog of universes, so I want that catalog, since all my old numbering <laughs> doesn't work anymore. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they owe me a catalog that's like, okay, Prime Earth, and then everything else. Uh, but yeah, no. Well, thanks, guys, for uh, for joining me for this episode. Um, I, th- I guess we've kind of said our final thoughts. Unfortunately, yeah. there's already new events coming on the horizon. we got Civil War Two coming yeah, unfortunately. soon. Unfortunately. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to another event already. 
I, so I was going to say you're not going to give this a number something out of something. So oh yes, we should do we that. Don't, we don't get a fun description. Um. Well, I give everything eights. Paul knows that. <laughs> AJ knows that too. Um. I would say this is. I don't know. This is all like eight point five. Like as an event on the whole. Hmm. Yeah, I'll give it an eight and a half because like. It's interesting because it doesn't interlock in a way that it needs, like, so in that way it doesn't work, but it doesn't need to because from a publishing perspective, I think it succeeds where a lot of other events have failed. Like Convergence? Well, no, Convergence is its own <laughs> thing, and I think the tie-ins were the best part, and the main book was the mess, um, which is usually not what you get from these big events. But no, I, I, you didn't need interlocking things. You just got a fun what-if story out of all these different stories, and I think I appreciate that from Marvel because I don't think we're ever really going to get an event like that again. Because usually events don't work this way. No. Um, so I think this is kind of a singular, very unique event. And I, I give them credit for doing that. And I'm glad that we got to experience it. And we'll never see it again. Hopefully. I don't want to see like all events to just be more reasons for more what-if stories. I just, you know, with Civil War Two. It's Civil War Two. They couldn't even give it a new name. It has to be Civil War Two. I get it. There's a movie coming out called Civil War. I get it, but like, just it just doesn't feel like it's going to have the same resonance. And they also have that assault on Mission Hill or whatever it's called, standoff or Pleasant Hill standoff. So it just feels like there's a lot of stuff coming up, and there's also the the apocalypse storyline coming up. Like the, well, these number, kind of number mini one, they, and... they keep, sorry, nine out of ten for me, just so we all are clear. Okay, nine out of ten. Nine out of ten for a core book, the whole event. Nine out of ten. Fabulous, thumbs up all the way. Um, but you have all these movies coming out, so obviously the, the publishers got tied to that to some degree, right? But I think you're, you're looking at little small events, right? Like the Apocalypse Wars, the three X books, Standoff's going to be the, the handful of Avenger books, right? Yeah. Like I don't think you're. I don't know what uh, Civil War. You don't think Civil War is going to be line wide? Uh, I don't know. Maybe closer. Cl- well, maybe not line wide because I do give credit to Marvel for this. Their line is becoming so fractured with like these weird one-off books that uh, three years ago would never have existed. So I do appreciate that. Like, how many female-led books are there now? Like, there's tons. Like, like there's there's Silk, Spider Gwen, Black Widow's starting soon. Uh, Scarlet Witch. Scarlet, Scarlet Witch. Witch. Like, there's there A-Force. are A Force as well, and there's more. There's Miss Marvel. Uh, Ca- uh, does Captain Marvel have a book now? Or is she just in A-Force? No, she's Captain Marvel in the Carol Corps or something. Or, or some, something. Yeah, there's yeah. something. So, like, there's more female-led books than we've ever had, which is nice. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of it, a lot of weird books. Like, you know, books that we wouldn't have had before that are really, again, scratching all these different itches. I give them credit from a publisher's perspective. So maybe Civil War II won't be the line-wide encompassing event because it can't. Because all these other books are just doing their own thing, and they wouldn't even naturally fit into them. No. Um, we don't even have as many Avengers books as you would think we would. Like, there's, what, three Avengers books? That's relatively... That's Considering this is Marvel Comics, that's actually kind of keeping it kind of real. They're not going crazy. Tame for recent history. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like you, Especially with Avengers being the biggest property with the movies, you'd almost expect there to be six or seven Avengers books. But there isn't. Like, there's New Avengers, Uncanny Avengers, and all new, all different Avengers. Isn't that kind of it? As far as I can, yeah. For core Avengers books. And then yeah. you have, like, a lot of other books that I, I'm surprised that they're not branded Avengers just because I feel like they'd sell better. Like, Illuminati, or not Illuminati, that's a villain book, but um, Ultimates. I'm kind of surprised it's not called Avengers something. Because it could have been. Easily. Sure. 
But instead, Ultimate Avengers, yeah. Well, or that, yeah. yeah. Instead, they're just going Ultimate. So, like, they're making some decisions where they're not necessarily going with the easy brand recognition, which I think they were doing more of a couple of years ago. And the all new, all different team, they have all their own individual books as well. They kind of all crazy. do, yeah, which is kind of nuts. Uh, the only one who doesn't is about to, and that's Miles Morales. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Vision, again, another one. Of quirky, messed up book. I don't know if you've read that, Paul. It's him making his own family or something? Yeah, he yeah. makes his own family of visions, and it's uh, it's seriously disturbing. Um, it's, it's this weird, like, horror book, but using the vision characters, um, it's it's it makes me uncomfortable at times, because I'm just like, what's going to happen now? Like, it's, it's messed up, but it's very good. Again, all these weird niche books that we wouldn't have had before. Even Doctor Strange is kind of Weird and wonderful in its own way. Yeah, it's a, it's a very a quirky book. Very quirky. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to sign off. But uh, AJ, thank you so much for joining us for this uh, discussion of Secret Wars. AJ, do you have a, a score? Did you see a score? I was just about to say, Paul, I never gave uh, my score. I, I agree with Paul, 9 out of 10, though. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. So now I just look like the stodgy one who just can't let go. <laughs> you know, yeah. fine, I'll upgrade it to a 9. Let's, <laughs> let's make it uh, three nines. all right? <laughs> So we're all in agreement. Oh, it was a great event. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to be disappointed by going back and picking these up. I think um, once you, if you have a time to kind of go back and read everything the Hickman's basically done on the mainstream Marvel, you won't be disappointed because it all hangs together. Like everything he's done involves a Richards in some way, generally. Which is amazing how he can do something like that. It's Except for maybe Secret Warriors. That's the only one. Although even there, I think. Um, uh, uh, Reed's dad shows up, so so don't worry. There and he's in Shield as well. So yeah, it's it, basically Hickman loves Reed Richards, but he hasn't told anybody. <laughs> like he just wants people to to not realize what he's really thinking. But um, yeah. Anyways, thank you. Thanks again for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye bye. But of course, no episode would be complete with telling, without telling you where you can email us, which is at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoyed the show.